Hello listeners, I am your host Ziad Matar and I'd like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast where I talk about everything tech, business and design. On each episode, I will take you through how cutting-edge technologies, emerging business models and the latest design trends are transforming our world and shaping the future. You will also get to hear from my guests about their opinions on global developments and the opportunities they create as well as their impact on society. Stay tuned for more. Wirelessly Yours. The telecom sector is at the foundation of digital disruption, driving both IT transformation, modernization strategies, and tackling technology for competitive advantage, identifying new growth opportunities. So joining me today are three colleagues and experts in their fields to discuss their state of the telecom sector in general and the MVNO space in particular, the impact of COVID-19 and the resulting opportunities as well as sharing their recommendations to various stakeholders on how to best harness the power of MVNOs to accelerate the future of telecommunications. So without much further ado, I would like to welcome Jonathan Fisk, who is our military advisor on competition and regulatory affairs. He brings over two decades of experience from assignments across the Europe, Middle East and Africa region, as well as stints in Asia, offering first-hand expertise in the field of regulatory affairs, market competition, and how to leverage intellectual property to gain a competitive advantage. Joining us from Toronto is Junaid, Junaid Mohammed, our military advisor on marketing and strategy, who has led multiple omni-channel engagements developing digital products for telcos in Asia and advocating their online transformation. He has also dabbled in the MVNO space a few years ago in Malaysia and more recently in Kuwait, and he will tell us more about that. Last but not least, Yasser Abaydan, my co-founder at Meditari and the CEO of Jaura, our digital transformation partner in Saudi Arabia, and the man behind one of the first and most successful MVNOs in the region. On top of his 20 years experience in the ICT sector and more than eight startups under his wing. Join me giving them all a virtual round of applause. Uh, I'll start with asking a very introductory question, and uh, we'll call it the state of the telecom union. And uh, we'd start, you know, from the early morning uh, riser in Toronto, Junaid. You know, how can you summarize for us the state of the telecom sector from a global perspective, having worked with Telenor Group in multiple uh, markets, including Asia, and now being in North America at the forefront of the 5G deployments? Thank you, and good morning, good evening, uh, everyone. So, um, I mean, it's difficult to summarize um, uh, from a global perspective because... Uh, Telecoms in each market is a different stage of maturity, but there are some key trends which, which go across um, all uh, regions. So um, there are three key trends that I feel are, uh, are, are driving uh, the approach in telecom uh, right now. Um, the number one is the focus on customer experience. So telecoms have been um, and not the leaders in terms of managing customer experience, um, the digital services which uh, which telecoms are uh, considered as the benchmark have been doing a much better job in terms of managing customer experience throughout the product value chain. Um, but now the importance of customer experience and managing customer experience end to end is picking up stream. So projects around omni-channel digitization of customer interactions. Uh, customer value management, all of these are uh, being held as important. And I feel these will be the driving factor 
moving forward between operators that add uh, significant value to their investors and also to their customers and those who don't. So that's number one. Uh, number two is digitization. <clears throat> so digitization, as we'll cover later on as well, um, was picking up speed and has picked up much more speed uh, during, during recent times because now you have stores which are retail stores which are not even open. Uh, and that puts a lot more focus on making sure your digital assets are up to, uh, up to the task in terms of managing your customers, driving new sales, um, and also upselling for existing customers. Um, and finally, the biggest trend which is picking up is obviously the adoption of 5G. The industry has been waiting for 5G to come. Um, and, and, and this, I believe, is going to be really transformational in terms of how telecoms are able to deliver services and how we go beyond voice data and messaging and focus on dedicated services. Um, so it's still early days in terms of 5G. Uh, what is my market at 5G right now is essentially a higher speed network. Um, I think the full 5G stack is still a couple of years away. Um, but once that comes, then we will see a lot of different use cases uh, around that. So these are the key three trends that I feel are uh, sort of driving the telecom approach. Thank you, Junaid. And I jump to Jonathan in London, who gives us maybe a little bit of a European perspective and, and, and uh, with a bit more competition and regulatory background. Sure. Thank you, Ziad. So I think um, in the last oh, 25 years, um, since the world started to, to liberalize its, its telecoms market, um, a lot has, has changed since then. Um, especially on the market and the technology side. It's sort of now a matter of whether or not regulations is, are keeping up with it. Um, but in the initial years, there are a lot of common principles um, and, and practices that, that were apply, adopted and applied by, by many countries and so shared it. But what has had, what's been emerging is sort of a split um, in, in direction. Um, some have maintained, in fact, most in the, in the meter region have maintained the, the, the regulatory regime um, that they introduced um, some 10 to 15 years ago, depending on the, the country. Um, whereas where we see some splits um, in some other regions, such as the European Union, um, it's now starting its fourth generation uh, of, regulatory, uh, its, of its regulatory framework. I wouldn't dwell too much on or emphasize too much the, the, the difference because the the, the reasons behind the changes um, have to do with local um, politics and, and interests. So the European Union, it's driven by trying to consolidate its markets even more um, rather than on a country by country, country basis. So what's happening um, in, in Europe, uh, it has moved from uh, an initial liberalized approach to now it's a very liberalized market, especially on the on the regulatory side. It is very easy to to enter a market as a service provider or a network provider. The um, authorizations are no longer sort of individual or even even onerous. The restrictions are more on whether you have access to, to spectrum and so forth. Whereas in the MIA region, um, it tends to be more of the, what I call a managed approach. Um, entry is is very um, restricted or, or it's opened as and when the, the regulator determines it to be open. And, and I'm talking about the, the you know, for major services, um, major network provisions. But what's common um, across the region 
uh, the regions is of course 5G. Uh, it is the the technology that everyone is working to roll out very quickly. Um, it holds a lot of promise. Um, and so the emphasis is on having enough spectrum, the use of the spectrum, um, ensuring network coverage um, and and network network investment in it. One problem that is um, is universal and has continued for over the past years and remains a problem is ensuring that there is coverage, access to to all users. Um, so this is still an issue that 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 keeps coming up um, and is still very prominent in um, in in the, the European region and the UK. Um, also, there's also the issue of quality of service um, and and customer customer service and customer information. And I think um, just to, to sort of where we'll get into a little later on this discussion, the current COVID um, situation has perhaps emphasized the importance of, of coverage, of access and of quality of service both in say at a mobile level, but also bandwidth and um, from a from a broadband perspective, and and um, access to it and speed of of service, and and I think that's that's something that is going to, it's it's not only a shared a shared matter, but it's something that is is going to emphasize or be a, a more predominant focus um, across all regulators um, in in the coming coming years. Very good, thank you, Jonathan. And we zoom into the GCC and Saudi Arabia with, with Yasser. And Saudi Arabia is probably one of the most uh, competitive and one of the most advanced uh, telecom markets in, in the region, if not worldwide. So if you give us a general state of the union about the telecom space in the kingdom, Yasser. Uh, thanks. Uh, I think uh, the telecom market and uh, from uh, the late 90s, it was going very fast growing all the way to 2007 and 2009 with the disruption of uh, iphone uh, going to digital services and uh, there has been decline in the voice which was the main revenue for for telecom operators and increase of data which was not properly regulated uh, in, in the early or the late uh, you know, 2007, 8, and 9. This caused a lot of revenue for many of the operators, uh, especially in the region. <clears throat> and we also have seen another uh, phenomenon, which is the, the the merge and disappearance of some of the vendors. And in the early 2000, there were more than 10 mega major telecom vendors. Right now, we are talking about three uh, we have seen Lucent disappeared. We have seen Alcatel merged with Nokia. Uh, we have uh, seen um, a lot of acquisition by Mac, by uh, Ericsson as well as uh, Huawei acquiring smaller uh, vendors. <clears throat> uh, and and this you know puts a lot of pressure on regulatory when it comes to policies on how to handle the, the disruption of digital services. And many of the telecom operators uh, maybe missed the train in the beginning uh, to utilize digital and IT technologies. Uh, and that's why we have seen deep decline uh, from uh, 2009, 2010, all the way to 2017. With the introduction of IoT in 2017, we have seen some recovery 
some of the uh, telecom operators of start offering digital services and IT services, and this enhanced the uh, telecom market uh, in terms of bottom line, in terms of top line revenue, and so forth. And now with the introduction of 5G, uh, 5G uh, technology uh, and, and uh, fully connected uh, uh, cities, we will see uh, uh, the, uh, the, the real merge between telecom and IT and, uh, and uh, a good positive growth in, in the telecom market. Thank you, Yasser. And, uh... As uh, Jonathan said, maybe we jump now also into the impact of the COVID-19 uh, lockdown and restrictions. And, uh, you know, in Saudi Arabia, uh, I'm sure uh, the impact was big, uh, but also there was a lot of uh, important measures that were taken in the telecom sector to, to, to step up and, and, and resolve some of the problems. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what has happened, and then we talk about uh, the rest of the world after from my perspective, I, I think uh, existing Invino operators have seen big impacts on, on the business. Uh, in terms of revenue has not changed. We have seen, uh, we have done a market survey of, of the impact of uh, COVID on Invino. There's not that big change in their revenue or, or bottom line, but they have all agreed that uh, they need to go into more digital services of being agile and providing uh, extra services, delivery to the home, logistic systems. So there are many areas, gap analysis that's been uh, uh, found. And I think this is a good stress uh, test for, for MVNO to see uh, what areas that they need to go to and what areas that they need to fix. One of the areas that they they, they uh, have seen and agreed on is that um, most of them, based on the survey that we have conducted a couple of months ago, is, is to go digital, uh, to create more digital services, to fix and promote their logistics system and delivery system to the homes or to the office, and be more more agile. From a new entrance and new licenses perspective, we have seen big big difference, uh, whether in, in Kuwait, Citra uh, launched an RFP for three licenses uh, last year, with the ambition to submit our the, the licenses by October timeframe, where many, and I think few, uh, few MBNOs have submitted as a, a proposal to win a license. And we were expecting this license to launch around or to be announced around February timeframe. But due to the uh, uh, COVID-19 impact uh, and due to the other fact that the Kuwait government uh, went into hold, uh, the license has not been announced. And I believe Citra may review the, the license situation and uh, apply new measures. Uh, on the other hand, we have seen uh, CITC in Saudi Arabia uh, also uh, uh, launch an RFP for uh, a third license in Saudi, beside Virgin and Libara. Uh, that was supposed to be submitted around March, April timeframe. 
because uh, uh, NVNO was a, a very strategic project for Saudi government and CITC, and seeing that impact, they have delayed the submission of the license all the way to August timeframe. So they are still continuing with the license process, but there has been a delay in the date of submission. So we expect a new entrance to come in the market in nearly 2021. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, seeing that, uh, I mean, uh, again, the COVID uh, both generated an opportunity for, uh, uh, because the impact of telecommunication now uh, brings the market down, which shows the potential growth in, in, in the next, uh, uh, a few years, uh, and this gives an opportunity for for MVNO to be more specialized in offering the services to the market. Yeah, so I, I, just, I want to. Yes, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, if I could just just add, um, I think yesterday's number of number of good points, um, especially you know around COVID nineteen or or, or fo being focused on it, the experience over the last few months from everyone um, is you know, how important telecoms is um, to to individual users for their own social needs um, to companies in order to maintain and then continue and continue their business but it's also in, in a shift in, in practice so with um, I think Yasser mentioned um, a growth in, in in data over over recent years it certainly has been the case over the last couple of months for for operators. And I would, I would, I would, you know, think that with this change in, in demand or, or new focus on on different aspects of electronic communications and service provision, that um, that regulators would look and see this as an opportunity or see recognize the demand to to open up open up markets um, to new service providers you know, under under MVNO, um, and also for operators to to see. Potential benefits of partnering with with MVNOs to go after particular niche areas, whether they're whether they're existing known market segments or or newly created ones or identified ones, you know that are coming out of this change in in social and and business practices. So on this, I turn the mic to our uh, marketing and uh, you know telecom strategy expert uh, Junaid and. Yeah, as the gentleman said, uh, telecom has really proven uh, how essential it is in the current period. And at the same time, I would say MVNOs have been, you know, had the perception of being more niche uh, providers that go after certain particular segments and, and might not be that, that uh, you know, uh, relevant or essential across the board. What is the, 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 the impact there or the opportunity, let's say, as Jonathan said, for this partnership uh, to happen between the, the generalist, the essential service providers and the more niche providers uh, in light of the current situation. Before I answer your question, I would just like to add a couple of more points um, to what Jonathan and, and, and Yasser mentioned, which is obviously, you know, um, COVID happened and um, the demand for data suddenly sort of skyrocketed. And then even though overall demand for data might not show you uh, the trend, but when you look at localized, the data utilization from dense urban or office areas moved to suburban and 
um, you know, residential areas. Um, and I think uh, operators generally have done a great job in terms of handling the incremental load. What has also happened from a customer's perspective is that the expectations uh, of customers from, um, from, from their either mobile service provider or their broadband service provider in, in essential telecom service provider, they have changed. Now customers are uh, looking at FANGs, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Netflix, and Google and seeing uh, sort of product experience or a seamless experience that they provide. Um, you know, you never have to call their customer support. Um, uh, the product is designed in a way that it works seamlessly. And they expect um, the similar experience uh, from uh, their telecom services provider. Um, and it, which opens up, both of these opens up uh, challenges and opportunities in terms of how do you cater to increase data demand uh, and how do you uh, make sure that the service or experience that you're providing to your customers uh, meets their expectations. So in, in, in the previous case, in, in the first case of increasing data demand, I think 5G has the answer. Uh, and there are lots of technologies such as, you know, dynamic spectrum sharing in which, you know, you can add more spectrum, which goes back to Jonathan's point about regulators um, looking at this uh, and having a renewed conversation about, you know, how spectrum is allocated and, and how the whole ecosystem works. And the other one is on, uh, on ensuring that the whole product uh, uh, is designed in a way which, uh, which helps customers uh, uh, you know, experience that product. And, and this is where your question with regards to uh, the ecosystem partnership comes in. So for sure, um, uh, MVNOs have been considered as uh, generally uh, a niche market player. And even within the niche, they have been considered as uh, value players, players who are targeting um, essentially customers which the operators do not uh, want to target. Um, and, and, and I think this, this whole relationship needs to be looked at um, moving forward. Um, and the overall relationship that MNO and MVNOs have in terms of, which is sometimes adversarial, uh, needs to look, be looked at as a partnership approach. For example, I'll give an example about, let's look at the digital players. For example, Amazon. Amazon is a, a seller of products, yet it is a bigger marketplace and they actively encourage uh, other uh, sort of uh, resellers to come. And to be honest, the strength of Amazon is through its marketplace. Um, so operators need to look at this opportunity uh, and see, for example, how the new technology is going to help provide and help them place uh, as a bigger provider in the whole ecosystem space. For example, in, when it comes to 5G, they have the opportunity of building network slices and those whole network slices, which provides virtualized end-to-end -end use cases, um, those can be then marketed to MVNOs. For example, we can have an MVNOs which are focused on mobile gaming, which is specifically focused on low latencies, um, or then we can have uh, MVNOs which are targeting essential service providers. So overall, I believe that um, operators and, uh, and regulators need to have an overlook in terms of um, do operators just continue their main role as service provider or they become central role in terms of ecosystem providers and let the MVNOs become a more uh, uh, innovative or take the risks around innovation in terms of serving new customers. 
Yeah, if I could just add, add Ziad, um, yes, please. I, I think I think we're at a, at a point of change and, and certainly opportunity um, in in the MIA region. Um, I think operators have a bit of a funny relationship with when it comes to MVNOs. On the one hand, they're perceived to be a, th a threat, at least to the retail side. Um, but I think, you know, particularly in recent months, um, there's there's more there are more and more opportunities in developing niche areas which MVNOs can can specialize in. And I think the experience outside of the MIA region has shown that operators have um, grown accustomed to this dichotomy. Um, of having first a, a competitor and yet another provider uh, or service provider that's bringing more traffic onto their, their networks. Um, and this comes through the, the, the liberalization of, of service provision um, in, in markets. So rather than looking at markets or, or seeing that only one or two MVNOs can, can exist, you know, um, you can have multiple MVNOs. So, for example, in the UK, there are roughly 68 MVNOs, possibly more. Many of them, pe many people may not have heard of, but they especially, you know, there are a number who specialize in, in niche areas. Um, sort of other other market examples, Greece has has six, and Switzerland, you know, how many do you think, you know, Switzerland might have? Well, three or, or 22? You tell me, it's 22. <laughs> Um, Norway uh, is a long stretched country, but population um, tends to be quite concentrated. Um, there we have 20. Um, so, so I think it, you know, it depends on, on the market, what attracts MVNOs to it. Um, I don't think they, there should be a fear of, of MVNOs. And I think sort of a change of, of operator MNO mindset um, is helpful because at the end of the day, the sole purpose of, of a business is to bring revenue for its shareholders and bringing on an MVNO can have a competitive advantage that can have additional traffic um, advantages. I, I totally agree. I, I want to add something here. Uh, I think um, one of the main reasons MNOs, mobile operators, uh, you know, resist MVNOs is, is not from a financial business perspective. Because as of today, if you look at the market, uh, MVNOs are the biggest source of revenue, single source of revenue to the mobile operators. Mm. And in some cases, they are the most profitable business as well. Uh, it is all emotionally uh, loyalty to their brand, not having a new brand coming into the market. Yeah. Uh, may allure them to resist, but uh, the fact from a financial perspective, from a business perspective, MVNOs not only add value to the consumers, but they are extremely valuable to uh, the uh, mobile operators and twofold. One, from a commercial perspective, they are uh, the biggest revenue generator and profit provider. And secondly, they are um, what we call a better utilizer of the network. Usually, mobile network investors, uh, operators, invest millions, if not billions, of dollars in building their infrastructure. And this infrastructure, if it's not utilized, if it's a 50% utilization or 60% utilization, means you are failing to monetize the other 40%. And this is where NVNOs comes in to utilize that network capacity which the mobile operator has paid license for and has paid spectrum for 
and is utilizing air traffic for uh, to to uh, to commercialize it and and make money out of it. Uh, can I just add um, on on what Yasser and uh, Jonathan has mentioned in terms of efficiency? Go ahead, Jonathan. So, so what we've seen is that operators tend to, you know, um, there have been cases where operators have went into a multi-brand strategy in order to target different segments, uh, in order to be present in different segments, and 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 that, to be honest, has not been extremely successful because uh, obviously. Uh, the way the brand has been created is that you have one brand, another brand, and often people understand that these are the same brand and they actually end up confusing both of these brands. So what has happened in a lot of these cases where operators have done multi-brand strategy that they've actually went back uh, and they have killed off one of these brands. So, so um, uh, one of the most uh, specific cases operator goes and creates a youth brand, which is more digital, et cetera, et cetera. But at, at the end of the day, uh, it is being sold in the same way uh, in the same shop and people can see through it right um, and then they have spent a um, significant amount of money building that brand only to later find out that they're not able to cater to those uh, customers uh, in the way that they wanted to so uh, i feel that from a from a efficiency perspective in another way um, operators uh, can get better efficiency if they focus on their overall uh, proposition um, and then these strong niche uh, propositions and uh, which require very specific sort of customer uh, experience is left for smaller players who can offer that end to end. Um, and I think this, the, 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 the second uh, aspect around this is around risk. So an operator invests significant amount of money in, in a license and in infrastructure. And inherently when you have in that such big investment, um, you are definitely um, uh, thinking a bit in terms of managing your risk. Um, and this is where MVNOs come in because they do not have that significant investment. Uh, and hence, they can take that risk in terms of going and capturing uh, a potential growth segment, which is not in the millions right now, but once a product is out there, proposition is out there, people will get attracted to it. So uh, these two aspects around the marketing and branding uh, elements uh, I would also like to add. That's true, uh, Junaid. Particularly the you know the agility that a startup like MVNO can bring yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. into making uh, fast moves and and decisions. Uh, we're gonna open the floor for uh, interim Q and A. Uh, this way we can uh, start by answering one question while the rest of the audience prepares other questions. We will jump later on also into the recommendations uh, part of the the session. But we have a question from. Uh, our good friend uh, Khalid Khan, chairman of the Central Asia Cellular Forum based in Islamabad. And Khalid uh, has a question, probably uh, Jonathan, you can answer it and the gentleman can compliment it. Uh, in respect to MVNO bringing a lot more traffic uh, eventually to the networks of the mobile operators, what do you recommend in terms of spectrum allocation to the regulators, uh, 4G and 5G? Right. Um, yes, this this is a very very big and, and broad question, um, but an excellent question. So spectrum is obviously the uh, the lifeline for for any of the any of this this service. Um, the starting point has to do. Um, the starting point is is whether or not um, how, how spectrum how is the spectrum managed in in the, in the country. 
Um, do they have a good spectrum management um, system in place? Um, how and, and how are they allocating it in terms of uh, the size of the blocks of the spectrum, um, how um, and what and whether or not there's um, protection from interference and so on and so and, and so forth. The other aspects that that affect um, you know, the service quality of the spectrum being being used, whether it's you know high density um, and so forth. So, and and then I think sort of a, a current issue or a, an issue that's been bubbling over over recent years, but it's certainly a, an issue today um, and becoming more so on, on the 5G side is, is the allocation of spectrum, whether it, is it allocated to mobile operators or is it allocated to the satellite satellite providers and coordinating of, of, of how, you know, which service uses, uses um, which spectrum band um, and the amount, amount being allocated. So I think that the spectrum management um, of the of the country is is the starting point, and I don't think it's specific to to emerging markets or uh, advanced economies. Um, you know, even advanced advanced economies are you know there's high demand for for spectrum. So why should there be a difference in in the the amount that's available, how it's used, the capacity available to 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 providers? So I would start at, start at that point, um, and and really this needs to be done on a country by country basis. It's not it's not a particular regional issue unless it's been a universal problem among the countries in, in a particular area that have uh, do not have the right um, system in, in place. Or a scarcity of spectrum in general, uh, you know, in certain specific markets and. While we wait for uh, other questions to come in, Jonathan, let's let's go into you know uh, one or two recommendations that you can give uh, to the major stakeholder in the telecom space in regards to MVNO opportunity. What would they be? Well, I think um, some of this is on on a commercial side. Um, on the MNO side, I think it's we've already talked about this. Janaid and, and Yasser have already raised points in this direction. Um, this is opportunity. Um, look at it from getting more traffic um, onto your network, so you're making your network more efficient um, and and getting more uh, more income from uh, from your network. It's it's a it's a uh, it's an opportunity to gain a competitive advantage. Whether you're a large operator, you can protect um, your market, as it were, um, and get into or create new market segments. Um, through partnering with with MVNOs, and the same applies to the smaller smaller players. It's how you gain additional market share in terms of traffic over your network, um, and utilizing and utilizing your your network. So there's there's opportunity there. Um, in terms of from from a you know, a, re a regulatory perspective, it's I think it's it's really recognizing creating more opportunity um, for existing players, but also for for customers in terms of choice. Um, the the more niche they are, the more you're likely to be you know, your own your you as a consumer, your own interests are are going to be be best served. Um, and then also in terms of investment, uh, it, this is an opportunity for for investment into into the markets and to to help grow it, not just on the on the telecom side, but those that use uh, communication services um, that you know, it, it feeds out into into the wider economy. So it's not just very narrow on MNOs, MVNOs. It's about the industry as a whole 
and industries that depend on communications. And, and to our audience, which is mostly from, from the region here in the, in the GCC and Middle East, uh, uh, broader Middle East area, what are your recommendations directly to the regulators in order to facilitate, encourage the entry of, of MVNOs? Um, I, I would, I would um, take a more, uh, I'd recommend a more liberalized approach. Um, so opening the market up. Uh, the reasons behind the, the current managed approach, I mean, they, they can vary from country to country. Um, there are very there are a number of benefits to to the managed approach. It's maintaining um, investment rather than having um, market failures along the, uh, along the way. But but I think at the same time the market should be given uh, the opportunity or a greater opportunity to decide how many MVNOs are needed in that market um, and whether or not they they succeed. Um, if if uh, the uh, regulator still wishes to, to pursue a, a managed approach to the market, um, it should continue, it should allow more licensing. Um, the number of MVNOs in the region is very, very, very small, very limited. Um, so I think the choice is, is, is restrained at the moment, so opportunities restrained. But if, if that managed approach is still needed um, or seemed desired, such as, um, give, for example, um, I think in Saudi, it's mandated the number of, of MVNOs. This is in the, 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 pre the previous licensing of it. And the MVNOs had to partner, form a partnership um, with, an, with an MNO in order to really qualify and, and receive the license. I think there, um, a, in that kind of example, a regulator needs to be um, aware of the risk of anti-competition being um, forced onto that new entrant. The, the balance of power is certainly in favor of the MNO, so they, it can impose conditions that are not necessarily favorable to the MVNO, that are restrictive. And so it's possible some form of regulatory oversight in, in an agreement um, situation there needs to be done. Um, it's not the first recommendation that, that anyone would, would want to make from the private sector, but. But I think you have to understand the competition risks um, is important and and managing those risks is is important for the industry as a whole and for the success of that licensing of, of the MVNO. I, I might um, add something here. Yes, uh, I, I think uh, we need to look at why the regulators uh, interested to introduce MVNO. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you look and sit and discuss this with, with the regulators, uh, number one is that utilization of network and spectrum is not high and they need to utilize. Number two, uh, the quality of service and the services provided the consumer is not to the level that uh, the regulator wants to uh, provide to the public. And because of that, they want more specialized, more focused uh, people to look at a particular segment. And that's one of the main reasons to introduce uh, from a regulatory uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we look at specialized, what is specialization? Uh, today, if you look at it from a macro uh, economy perspective, uh, specialization is focusing on, on products or limited products and scope uh, of services to a specific uh, consumer and become efficient. The word that's mentioned by Jonathan 
a few minutes ago, is, is efficiency. Uh, you know, how to become more efficient, whether to your consumer or to the market or to the network. Uh, and that's why the more specialized you are, you will increase the productivity and you provide more competitive advantages to yourself. If I'm specialized, for example, in, in, uh, in providing services for labor uh, or expats, I would focus on more efforts on multi-language uh, platform, on services for international calls and so forth. If I'm specialized in media or in, in sport, the type of people that I would hire will be more specialized in that particular area and provide the higher quality, higher services, and uh, uh, the consumer will be more uh, satisfied. This is one that is very important from a public perspective, from a regulatory perspective, on why they want to introduce MVNOs in the first place. So this will result to uh, a more uh, 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 quality of service rather than being generalists like many of the mobile operators that want to, to serve all the markets and they fail to provide a much higher quality of service. Very good. Thank you, Yasser. We're getting more questions, so I'm going to give uh, uh, a, a few more uh, questions, uh, the mic to the, to the attendees. So we have a good question from uh, Muna Al-Hashimi, our colleague and good friend from Bahrain, former CEO of Batelco, and this one goes to echo a little bit what you had said, uh, uh, Jonathan, but maybe you can add uh, your perspective. Uh, do you see a change of position by the Arab regulator to mandate uh, MVNO licenses on all regulators in the, in the region, especially to normalize the number compared to the stats that you brought in, uh, you know, from all over the world? I think globally we have around 3,000 to 6,000 MVNOs, correct? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Depending on how you count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think I think it's it's a good question. It's a matter of matter of perspective, um, top down, bottom up, however however you like to do it. I, I think, in principle, I don't think um, countries would like to be mandated from an external um, body, um, even if they're you know they're a member of of that that body. Um, and and secondly, so the question. That, that could be asked is why why would something like that need to be mandated? Um, what it, what's the objective of it? Is it is it just to increase numbers of of licensees? For you know for optics, we have more licensees in in, in the market um, or not? Um, personally, my preferred approach would be more the, the the bottom up. It should be coming from from investors, people coming into the market or investors in the market wanting to to be an MVNO um, and and going to the, the regulator and say, look, we would like a license. We have a business case for this. We, we know what we're doing. Um, we have experience with this or, or a good brand that that will you know bring success to into into the market. Um, we would like an opportunity to to participate in that in that market. And and then I think you know a, a regulator should should welcome um, such investors or in, in listening to them because what is ubiquitous across um, regulatory frameworks is that is the mandate of the regulatory authority which is to to promote competition but also at the same time protect competition and by protecting competition it goes back to my earlier comment 
um, if you're, especially if you're going down using it, going down the, the managed approach. So, in in summary, to 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 this question, um, I I think regulators should be should hear from from the market um, that people do want um, to to provide MVNO services, and they should be open to to this. Uh, we have a question from Vipin, which I will uh, answer quickly. Uh, how many new MVNOs are expected this year in Saudi Arabia and GCC? And you can find the answers in the report that we issued recently. We're going to send a link to that after the session, as well as much more details about everything we discussed today. But in total, there have been uh, two licenses uh, put uh, up for application in Saudi Arabia and three previously, as Yasser mentioned, in uh, in Kuwait. So hopefully this year up to five licenses. A very good uh, question also uh, from uh, the young Vidur Anand. Uh, who has uh, actually two questions. One, I will send to Junaid. And, and Junaid, how can MNOs become ecosystem creators? And perhaps that's the topic of another panel by itself. But maybe you can get a, take a quick stab at it, yeah. rather than just network providers. Um, so um, when, when we're answering the question of how can they do it, I will answer it both internally and externally. Uh, internally, I believe it's a change of culture. Uh, operators need to understand that they are not there to serve every single need. For example, um, Netflix serves 180, 90 countries. They have four price plans. I have been part of multiple operators which had more than a thousand price plans. Mm -hmm. And these price plans were being actively managed by people. Uh, you know, in terms of revenue assurance, in terms of customer management. And you can just imagine, you know, the CRM and all the load that used to happen. You're defining a new price plan and suddenly you have all these weird archaic rules and legacy plans coming in and conflicting it. So, and, and the reason why there are thousand price plans is because the operator wants to uh, be the ecosystem themselves. They want to serve every single customer. Even there are five customers somewhere in a small city, they will say, yes, we will have a separate price plan because we need five more customers. Right? So, so that is first aspect is around understanding that uh, we, uh, there is a limit to efficiency of our scale uh, and, and we, we need to not do everything ourselves. Uh, and I think one, that is the most important aspect. Once that is there, then we do see them opening up. Um, and on the technology front, I'll say it again, that new technology with new technology advancement, we're seeing a lot of new opportunities coming in. So uh, we've talked about 5G and how through 5G, operators can actually have better control mm -hmm. in terms of what they offer to MVNO through network slicing. And then MVNO then obviously has better control in terms of what they can offer to their customers as well, right? So it provides, the operators with the tools available to become an effective uh, ecosystem player. So Thanks, uh, Junaid. Yes, sir, another question also from Vidur, and, and as an investor in MVNOs yourself, which region do you see is the next best opportunity for MVNOs to enter? Uh, yeah, uh, oh, I think um, there are two answers to this. Uh, if you look at it from uh, financial, it will all depends on your financial capabilities. There are uh, markets, for example, uh, Saudi, that mm -hmm. Arbu is uh, relatively high to uh, compare to the region. 
The number of subscribers is, is very high. The penetration level is very low. And uh, we have a chance to, uh, to, to have a much faster return of investment. Nevertheless, uh, the ticket size to enter this market is, is big. You require minimum $60 million to $100 million to set up an MVNO market uh, in Saudi and be successful with the limited number of licenses. Uh, so uh, other markets, well, let's say Bahrain or Kuwait, or uh, uh, they have relatively good ARPU. They have relatively smaller size, controllable, and you may gain a much faster uh, success uh, with a very limited uh, capital. Uh, so here, the success is not as big as in Saudi, but you require a smaller ticket to, of, of, uh, of entry. Other markets are more challenging, but potentially are very big. For example, Pakistan and, and uh, Egypt, where you have the population that can serve very good, but the ARBU there is, is very small. So you have to be careful on how to go and enter this market to minimize the, the point of presence and to focus on more digital services rather than uh, physical uh, services. Uh, but they pay off. You have to do, it depends also on the segment of, that you are intended to focus and serve. You cannot go and offer, for example, international expats in Egypt where the number of expats is very small compared to Saudi or compared to Dubai. Uh, but there is a need for more digital, more maybe entertainment or more sports services, which is uh, the size of the youth today in the entire Middle East market is, is relatively above 60, 70%. And this market segment has not been served properly at this moment. And I see a huge potential everywhere you go from smaller markets, lower ARBO to a much higher ARBO and bigger market. Uh, so uh, first, before you go into deciding to go into the market and whether the markets are good or not, decide on what segments that you want to serve. Decide on what services you want to serve. Decide on your vision of how to improve the quality of the services. Be innovative, be disruptive. Create that scenario and then, based on your ticket, size of the ticket or the investor size, then you can go into and decide which market you want to start first. So, and I think with, with this answer, you partially answered uh, Mona's question, who's asking us that historically most of MVNOs do not uh, end up profitable due to many reasons. So, what, what do you think are the most important steps that they should take to be profitable? So, yes, sir. You indicated that selecting the right segment in the right market is very important. Any other recommendations from you or the gentleman? The, back to the regulatory question where, where Jonathan said, let's open it up. I am I'm, I'm not into opening the entire market. Yes, I want to lower the regulatory and policies on how to enter the market. Uh, but having it open like Germany with 100 MVNOs, uh, 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 you will see many MVNOs that fail. The fail rate in regions that are uh, deregulated is, is much higher because many people with a certain ID, they want to go and, and plan it. And, enter, and then they, 
ticket size to get a license in Europe is $500. There's nothing. So uh, you can go and apply for a license and get a license and, and try to, to make something. Where in, in our region, it is heavily regulated because they want to ensure that whoever wins the license, first, he does pay a, a, a higher ticket size for license, but also ensure that this uh, investment is profitable and has a much better return of investment. And that's why most of the license in Saudi or in Kuwait or in the region is based on a beauty contest. It's not based on who bids higher. It's based on what kind of services that you want to provide, what food your customer base, what's the business case around it, and so forth. The sanity of your business for, plan. Exactly. Yeah. To ensure that you will be a profitable. And we have seen in, 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 in Saudi, it's a successful case for all or the two MVNOs that have entered the market. Had a return of investment within less than three years. They are doing minimum 10% net income. They are doing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars on a yearly basis of revenue. And they have a, a reasonable size of 10, 11% market size of the entire silicon market. So they have been successful, and that's why Saudi is more interested to enter, uh, you know, uh, to welcome additional licenses in the market. Really. Yeah, I, I agree and, with I agree with Yasser that that there's there's merit in a so the more managed approach. Where I would you know, my my recommendation would be rather than sort of waiting for a specific timing decided by by a regulator, they should be open to someone coming in at any time. But presenting their case and convincing whether you know convincing the regulator that that they do have a solid case you know they, they might might go down that road rather than they a full <laughs> um 20 license and everyone can i agree and i i think uh, the in, in kuwait case they have done this in the beginning it was you have to submit an october time frame later on citra decide okay you can apply for any time but it will take three to six months to award you the license yeah. The issue with the Kuwait license and the regulatory perspective is you cannot apply for a license unless you have an agreement with the mobile operator. And this limits the, 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 uh, the potential of having a good MVNO applicant because the mobile operator may resist and control the entry of the market. Yeah. So we need to find a solution that that works both brings it both exactly. together. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And with this, you have also answered the Rajesh question. And thanks for the compliment on my hat, Rajesh. Next time, hopefully, <laughs> all the panelists will be wearing hats, not only Yasser and me. Uh, it intersects also a, a, a question from Jan, uh, which I would like Junaid to answer because Junaid is asking, "What is the impact of technology on the sustainability of MBNO in the long term, with the advent of 5G, IoT, and other things? Will this have a positive impact or a more negative impact on how long-lived these MVNOs can be? Yeah. Um, so from a pure technology perspective, I think the impact is very, very positive. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, 5G opens up a whole new use cases of specialized mini MVNOs where you can actually cater to very specific niche. Um, and, and the virtualization and network slicing ensures that you have a dedicated slot for that MVNO. 
Um, and, and also for the operator also, it, it ensures that they are able to manage their network better, right? Because right now, um, like uh, Yasser mentioned, operators want to sell their extra capacity, but at the same time, they also want to make sure that that extra capacity is not impacting their own customer experience. So their own customer experience, retail customers come first from them. So from a, when, when you have these network slices, then from, a, from an operator perspective, they, they know that you know, the, the, the experience from the MVNOs cannot impact their own customer, uh, customers negatively. So, so it's very positive. Another trend from, uh, for, uh, that I feel is going to really change is around digital distribution with eSIMs. So imagine if we, if we once we have higher adoption of eSIMs, uh, certainly the whole uh, cost around distribution uh, just minimizes uh, and uh, it actually helps MVNOs more because they, they have uh, more need to be agile and nimble. And through eSIMs, you can certainly be very targeted with regards to what sort of offerings do you do to, uh, to, 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 to customers. Very good. Thank you, Junaid. We are nearing the end of the podcast and webinar today. There is a very good question which deserves its own session or two, actually, from Khaled in Pakistan, uh, asking whether there are MVNO services that are specific to rural areas, but more importantly, because of the recent uh, role of uh, telecom in ensuring distance learning needs are satisfied. How do we see such kind of vertical uh, MVNOs in the future and and the impact of, of regulation there? Because now you are intersecting two different regulatory fields. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. Telecom and education, telecom and healthcare. So this is going to get really interesting. I'm not sure we have the time to, to answer this right now. Uh, but I promise we will tackle this uh, on another session. In fact, uh, our next webinar will be specifically around the education space. So maybe we will inject a little dose of technology in, in that as well and see uh, how it goes. I would like to thank you all, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us today. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the exciting conversation, interesting insights. Uh, for those of you who didn't get the chance to ask questions, we're going to circulate uh, uh, the link to this uh, video after the call. And, uh, and, and you know, you will have the space to send us more questions, more feedback, uh, uh, which we would really appreciate. Again, as I said, we, we are a virtual network. We are happy to welcome uh, more nodes and members in our network. So please reach out to us. Let us know also what other topics you would like to hear about. Uh, we are very excited about the capabilities that uh, Zoom and other technologies are offering us so that we can uh, support you. And the final round of, round of applause for Jonathan. Renee and Yasser. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you.